All right, so we are in Acts chapter 3, and as we go through the book of Acts, uh, just a reminder, of one, one of the things we're trying to do is make sure that we are interpreting this book the way it was intended to be interpreted. We're not just taking stories from here and uh, using them as springboards to talk about whatever we want to talk about. Okay, We want to make sure uh, we're using the scriptures properly, and it's very important that we understand what's going on, because people, again, they can find something you know, there's always something in the Bible, a phrase you can find to kind of fit whatever your agenda is. But are you using it properly? And I think one of the easiest places to do that is in the book of Acts. And so as we go through this, uh, we'll pay very close attention to what's going on, the context of things that's going to help us see through a lot of the bad teaching we get from Acts chapter, uh, from the book of Acts. So it's very important before we start going through this that we remember at this point in time in the early church history the apostles are still focused on getting Israel to repent. They, uh, they need to regret the fact that they killed the Messiah. And so they, uh, they are in trouble. Judgment is coming. Jesus, not long before, pronounced judgment on that generation. He pronounced destruction on them. And while they need soul salvation, just like you and I have received... They also wanted physical salvation for their nation, that they still believed that a kingdom was coming and they wanted to be a part of that kingdom. And obviously there was still much that they did not understand about, the, about that kingdom. And let's just admit it right now, there's a lot about the millennial kingdom that we don't understand. And they especially didn't understand these things during this time, but they know a kingdom's coming they want to be a part of it, but they also understand that judgment and destruction is coming for them. So it's, it's crucial that Israel repent during this, this time. And, and obviously we know that they don't. We know that they don't, but they're still trying to make it happen. And so even though technically we are in the New Testament era, understand the Apostle Paul has not come on the scenes yet. Much of what we know about salvation and doctrine are things that were revealed by the Apostle Paul and through the Apostle Paul. So, again, we're in the New Testament era, but there was still much that they did not understand during this time. So we've always got to remember that if people want to pull stuff from these chapters to you know, prove some weird you know, Hebrew root stuff, you know, kingdom going to Israel stuff, we always got to take these things in context. They're, they're learning as we go. So in chapter 2... We see Pentecost where the Holy Spirit shows up like was prophesied. The Holy Ghost comes upon them. God empowers the church during this time. And they're now all indwelt with the Holy Spirit. All these miracles take place. But the people who get saved that are added to the church, we see were Jews from all over the world. They're not going to the Gentiles yet. There's still a focus on Israel. And so now we are in verse 1 of chapter 3, and let's start reading. It says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. Now one thing I don't know, and I've tried to follow going through the book of Acts, and I've not been able to figure it out, uh, is timeline. Okay? We know that after Pentecost, there were 3,000 saved, and then the Lord was adding to the church. So some time has passed between chapter 2 and 3, but how much I can't figure out any way of knowing what that is. Uh, I can't even really guess, to tell you the truth. I wish I knew, but I, I really don't. But here, they're at the temple again. Because remember, they don't understand some things. They're still hanging around that temple. They're still thinking there's something for that temple. So, this is not proof of Hebrew roots teaching. This is proof that they some things had not been revealed to them yet. They're still trying, to, and... It's clear because of the fact they're still trying to save Israel physically. They're still trying to restore Israel. But things were still centered around the temple at this time. They don't understand that they need to move on. But God will get that message across to them. He will get it across to them. We'll see that. Verse 2, And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, 
rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Now this miracle, this guy was kind of looking for welfare, wasn't he? But you know what Peter gave him? Something better, the ability to work. Now, if I want to just use this as a springboard to preach about whatever I wanted, I could talk about all the people today that are just looking for welfare and aren't looking for the ability to work. They just want to keep getting the hand out. But you know, it's better to be able to work, to be able to provide. And so what Peter gave him here clearly was something far better than silver and gold. But at the same time, too, is Peter just interested in giving him the ability to work or is he wanting to get give him Jesus Christ? And that's the same thing with Jesus. Jesus did many miracles but it was to so he could they would hopefully receive the spiritual truth that he wanted to give that is far more important and so understand during this time they don't have the completed scriptures like we do and you know what jesus gave the apostles the ability to do miracles and they did and they did these things you know to prove that they were of god so pastor tommy why can't you do miracles jesus hasn't given me the ability to do those miracles Okay, you know, but I, I have been given the ability to preach the word of God and hopefully spread my faith to other people. And if you don't have faith, you know, if you keep needing miracles, then, you know, if I have to do miracles, it's probably not going to get you saved anyway, if you're not able to believe the Bible. So, uh, but this was a time when these things were necessary and needed. And, uh, and I believe it was a temporary thing. And so in verse eight, and he leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple walking and leaping and praising God and all the people saw him walking and praising God. And this is interesting too. You know, I don't, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but what's interesting about this guy, you know, in the name of Christ, he's given the ability to walk and now he enters into the temple. Well, you know, before under that old covenant, you're weren't allowed to enter the temple. If you were somebody that had, you know, physical deformities and all these different problems, you weren't even allowed to go in. Uh, it's a reminder too, when it comes to our salvation, you know, our ability to enter into heaven or enter into the kingdom of God, it comes because Jesus Christ has cleansed us from our sins. He's healed us spiritually. We weren't worthy of these things, but Jesus Christ gave us that worthiness, that ability, you know, through his work. And, it, and it's a miracle. It's the fact that we are right now the children of God and we are able to be in the presence of God and worship God and call out to him wherever we want, that, is, that was able to happen because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And this is kind of a, this is a picture of that right here. A man who was not allowed to go in the temple, but now is able to go in the temple and no one's going to forbid him. Because that physical problem is gone and it was a miracle of God. And so it says, And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which happened unto him. So this guy, is, who was not able to go into the temple, is now able to go into the temple. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. And you know what? We are a people who were not, not allowed to go into heaven, could not get into heaven, but yet we are on our way to heaven. We will go into heaven. And even now, we spiritually, we are the people of God. We can be in the presence of God. And who gets the credit for it? Jesus Christ. So this is, a, this is a, a wonderful picture of salvation. And so miracles were very important during this time to prove that the apostles had the authority to preach the things that they were preaching. They, they had to, they, and it also proved they were followers of Jesus. They were doing the same things that Jesus did. Jesus was that prophet that was raised up among them like Moses. And so the, if these people are claiming to be of Jesus, then shouldn't there be something similar in their message, in their works? And so it was very important they were able to do these miracles. So verse 11, And the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, uh, and the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob the God of our fathers hath glorified his son, Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. So notice again, Peter's emphasis, not just on their own personal sin, but on the national crime that they as a nation committed. 
This was a, this was, you know, and we do. Often, we, you know, preachers today, you know, in order to not get mad at the Jews, you know, they'll bring up, well, you know, it was our sins that actually put Jesus on the cross. You know, and, and I get what they're saying. Jesus had to go to the cross for all of us. You know, it, it was our sin. But at the same time, too, there is no doubt that when it came to physically putting a just man to death, that if you're going to do that, if you're going to uh, put an innocent man to death, the people, the nation that does that is going to be responsible. Y'all understand that? God wasn't going to hold Ethiopia responsible for putting Jesus on the cross. Ethiopia had nothing to do with that. They were not a part of that. They had no say in that. It was Israel that did that. And so this crime of killing Jesus Christ was one that was going to come with a severe price, with severe judgment. And so this nation needs to repent of that. They need to understand that they shouldn't have done that. They should have been followers of Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, you and I, when it comes to us getting right with God, okay, we just need to get our sins taken care of. Okay? That, that's what we're worried about when it comes to getting into heaven. And again, when it comes to um, the crimes of America, you know, again, we don't have a specific determined judgment that's been given on, that's been put on our country yet. Okay? We have not, it has not been revealed by any prophet that a certain judgment is going to come on this generation for this sin, for that sin, whatever. We, we haven't had anything like that. So the truth is, I don't know, I, you know, I can't get real specific on the national repentance that we need, even though I got a pretty good idea on a lot of things, but I have no idea on the timing. But understand, they had that, you know, judgment had been declared on that generation. And there was no doubt what it was for, what it was about, and so they needed to get these things right. We cannot ignore this. We cannot make this just about soul salvation. It isn't. It is, all, it is about national salvation that they also needed. And so in verse 15, it says, And killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And I think I mentioned this last week, or maybe Sunday night, I might have mentioned it, that back then... You know, there was a great authority and importance on witnesses. Okay, these things really mattered. Being a witness or having a witness, it used to mean something. Where today, it doesn't mean hardly anything because false witnesses abound and nothing is done to them. It is so easy to lie about somebody today. It's one of the easiest things to do. And there's hardly any consequences. And because of that, it hurts a lot of people. There's, you know, one of the things too people complain about in the, you know, the the feminists complain about is, you know, all these women who aren't believed when they claim rape and all these things. And you know what? Part of that is because of a lot of women falsely accusing. It, you all, I mean, that is one of the worst things you can ever do, is falsely accuse somebody. That sin is one that just has many repercussions. We could talk a lot about that. That's another reason too. When it comes to even people that we don't like, when, even when it comes to heretics, we should never bear false witness against them. We should never like, even politicians, as much as we do not like Joe Biden, we should not lie about him. Because then all we're doing is discrediting the truth that we say about him. And unfortunately in politics, is, you know, if you're saying something against the guy that I hate, I like you. But you know what? We ought to be all over the case of those who lie because they do. They just, they just discredit all the truths. So you can't do that. I was talking to a preacher one time who, li uh, who was lying about another preacher. And I said, I told him, I said, you can't do that. I, I don't care that you don't like this guy. I don't care that you think this is a bad guy. You're discrediting all the truths. When you lie, you can't let that happen. You can't do that. It is a horrible thing. And so our country is a mess right now because, you know, we hear things all the time and it's just no big deal. And why? Because there's so many lies out there. But you know what? Back then, 
you know, they weren't afraid to take you out and kill you if you bore false witness about something that would have got them killed. So if we had if we had penalties like that, people aren't going to be bearing false witness. There's absolutely no way you would be insane to do that. So, um, but again, this is just another, you know, symptom of getting away from the things of the Bible. So there's a lot of consequences to it. So, um, verse 16, and his name, uh, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I wot that through ignorance ye did it, as did also your rulers. So notice, when it comes to the crime of putting Jesus to death, he told them, you did it through ignorance. Okay? But, were they still responsible? Yes, they were. They were still responsible. But here's the great thing. When you do something in ignorance, you know, that's when God is usually very gracious. Remember with the Apostle Paul? People love to talk about how bad the Apostle Paul was when they're trying to defend sodomites and trying to get them saved and stuff. But what did what did Bible say about or what did Paul say? He said, I did these things ignorantly in unbelief. And in Romans one, when it's talking about the reprobates, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. There is a huge difference in someone knowing the truth and rejecting it, and someone being ignorant. If you are ignorant, you still deserve to pay. For your crime. Okay? But you can often, you can usually find mercy when it's in ignorance. And so, yes, Israel was dead wrong when they put Jesus to death, but it was, for the most part, in ignorance. And God is giving them a chance to repent. He's giving them an opportunity to repent. And some of them did. But you know what? As a nation, they didn't. And it came to a point where God finally said, you know what? Enough's enough. And I do. And we'll talk about this more when we get there. You say, but when did God finally say enough's enough? How much time did God give them to repent? And I don't know for sure how much time it is, but you know what I think God said enough's enough? When they took out the first martyr since him, Stephen. Because again, they killed Jesus. And for a period of time, Israel's, you know, the, the, the apostles are preaching, repent of what you did to Jesus, repent of what you did to Jesus. And then here Stephen comes along preaching Jesus. And then what did they do? They did the same thing to Stephen that they did to Jesus. They killed him. And then, you know, it was like at that point, and God's like, all right, your fate is sealed, folks. Your fate is sealed. And, you know, we don't really see national repentance being preached to Israel anymore. In fact, Right after that's when the Apostle Paul is introduced. And when you go to Romans 9, 10, and 11, the Apostle Paul, it appears that he just totally understands that Israel is done. I mean, he flat out called them the vessels of wrath fitted for destruction. He explained in chapter 10 that they can still, you know, individuals can still be saved. In chapter 11, he explains that, but he knew they were done for. Even though it was his heart's desire that they be saved, he knew it wasn't going to happen. He, he knew you know, there would be the remnant, but the nation as a whole was going down because I believe by that time, by the time Paul's writing in Romans, they knew. They still, so right now, they still have hope. Okay? So again, don't be like a dispensationalist or don't like be some of these people who want to like divide the Scripture and just be like, all right, Acts, whole new thing. No, there is a time of transition as they're learning and God is revealing things. So, it's important that we see these things. We've got to get this. So, verse 18. But those things which God before hath showed by the mouth of all his prophets, that Christ should suffer, he has so fulfilled. All the prophets prophesied of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And do not let a Ruckmanite tell you otherwise. This right here is a good verse to throw in their face. All the prophets prophesied. They did not say death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They did not say blood of Jesus Christ, but they did speak in shadows. They did speak in symbolic ways of things that clearly pointed to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we can go back now and we can look at those passages like Isaiah 53, and we know exactly what it's talking about. But then to act like, but for, for anyone who's ever read the New Testament to say that 
you know, that they didn't believe in the death, burial, and resurrection in the Old Testament is absolutely foolish. Because if they believed in the shadow, if they believed in the symbol, even though they didn't have a full understanding of it yet, what they were trusting in was in fact the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So don't ever let anybody fool you with that. That is a ridiculous and that is a heretical argument that thankfully most dispensationalists do not believe. You've got to kind of go to the Ruckmanite crowd uh, to get that kind of teaching. So, uh, and so Peter, again, he's emphasizing Old Testament scriptures. These things had to be done. So he says in verse 19, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. Okay? Now, we read this verse and we like to make it exclusively about salvation, just like the salvation that we receive. But again, for them to receive that physical salvation, they have to get the spiritual, don't they? They have to actually get saved like you and I do. And they had to get saved through faith in Jesus Christ like we did. But what Peter is, is trying to get to them here is a spiritual salvation that was absolutely necessary to go to heaven, but also he wants them to have a physical salvation so they are not destroyed as a country. Okay, now, here's where we can get into some stuff where we might be speculating a little bit, all right? And, and some, you know, some of what I'll say about this, it is speculation, and, and I think speculation is fine as long as it doesn't contradict the Bible. For example... We, it, I think it's, you know, would it be okay for us to speculate and say what would have happened if Adam and Eve had not eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? We can speculate about that. I mean, I, knew, I know they wouldn't have died, you know, but what would the world have been like? There's a lot of things we don't know, right? But, you know, there are some, there's things like that in the Bible where God would tell them to do something or not to do something. They would disobey, and as a result a different outcome would take place. Now, if we want to go back and look and say, all right, what would the outcome have been? I don't think it's wrong for us to do that. Sometimes we could probably be pretty sure what it would have been, but other times, you know, it's anyone's guess. Okay, so, you know, if I may, you know, I, I'll give you some of my guesses on what I think would have happened. And, and I could be wrong on this. I think this is something that we can all argue about and just ponder on a little bit. But I do believe the times of refreshing that are going to come from the presence of the Lord, I do believe is a reference to the coming of Jesus Christ when he comes to this earth to set up his kingdom. I think it's okay to say that is the time of refreshing. It says in verse 20, and he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you. That time of refreshing is when Jesus Christ comes. So we're talking about the return of Christ, right? Whom the heaven must receive until the times of the restitution of all things which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. So there's no doubt, and we do, we believe in a coming physical earthly kingdom of Jesus Christ. We believe in a millennial kingdom. And we believe we can go back to the Old Testament and there's a lot of references to things that are about the millennial kingdom. And then what people do is they'll often go to those things and it's like, see, these things about the kingdom, they were for the Jews. And so, you know, Jesus Christ, when he returns, he's got to come back because he's got some things he's got to do with the Jews and all that kind of stuff. And, and there's some truth to that, okay? Because there's a lot of things that, are st from, that were prophesied in the Old Testament that were not fulfilled at Christ's first coming. They will be fulfilled in his second coming. There's a lot of prophecy yet to be fulfilled. It's going to happen, in, in, you know, after the second coming in the millennial kingdom. Okay, and understand too, none of these things happened in 1948. Okay, none of these things happened in 1948. Um, that's absolutely ridiculous. But I, let me let me just kind of throw my opinion in here. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I think theoretically, theoretically, what happened, what was always is always what was going to happen, but it was not revealed yet. The Apostle Paul makes it very clear in Romans 9 that the physical nation were the vessels of wrath fitted for destruction. They were Esau. God chose them for destruction. That's very clear from Romans 9. They don't know that yet. Okay? So, but at the same time, just because God knows something is going to happen doesn't mean, theoretically, 
something else could have happened. For example, all right, let, you know, obviously we're not Calvinists, but let's just say that you know, it was, you know, there, that God knows one individual is not going to get saved and is going to go to hell. God knows that about them. It doesn't change the fact that if they get saved, they will not go to hell, right? And that, that, so again, just because God knows something's going to happen doesn't mean that biblically speaking, if people would have done something different, there would have been a different outcome. So you all understand that? I'm not trying to say that they could have changed God's plan here, okay? But understand, it hasn't all been revealed yet. And so at, at the same time, I don't think I'm misusing these scriptures to say this. So I personally think had Israel repented at the preaching of the apostles, I'm speculating, what would have happened if Israel would have repented at the preaching of the apostles? I personally believe that the time of refreshing and the restitution of all things would have come sooner. I think it would have come back then in that generation and God would have set his kingdom up with the people of Israel. And God would have taken care of the Romans and all those things would have happened back then during that time. Theoretically, I think that's what would have happened. But at the, it, again, it, it's not set in stone. You know, it's not set in stone yet. Okay? God knows it's going to happen, but there's still a time where they're getting their chance to repent. God and his justice is giving them this opportunity and a remnant did, but as a, as a whole, they didn't. And so they ended up getting what God always knew was going to coming. And that was judgment that came in 70 AD. And, you know, and here we are still today, 2000 years later. And one of these days, God is going to fulfill these things we see in Acts chapter three. So the thing is, you know, I, I preach, I look at this and I think this is what they could have had and they lost it. The dispensationalists, they look at this and they still think Israel's going to get it in the future. And it's like, no, they, they lost their chance here. Because they're, read, they're reading this passage like there's no transition, like God, you know, it's like God has already revealed it. No, it hasn't happened yet. These, some things had not been revealed and some things hadn't necessarily been set in stone yet because Israel still has to, fulfill, they have to fill their transgression before the hammer can really come down on them. And that's still taking place during this time. But here's the thing, it happened. And they did not repent. And so you know what? they're not going to get the outcome that Peter was hoping they were going to get during that time. So don't go to this passage and look, see, this proves something still come for Israel. No, no, they lost it. This was them getting their chance and they lost it. So uh, we, you know, everybody wants to read the book of Acts, you know, like everything about it applies the same way in the present. No, it's recording these events as they're happening and things happened. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. So now we're kind of looking at these things in a different light. We're seeing the consequences. And the consequences is Israel is going to get destroyed. So uh, it's important that we, that we read these things in the right way and in the right context. So something that we all like to, uh, or uh, where are we at? Verse 22, I'm sorry. So let's go to verse 22 now. And it says, For Moses truly said unto the fathers, a prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. Everyone should have that verse underlined in their Bible. You need to have that verse memorized. This is a key verse that proves following Jesus is obedience to the law of Moses. Because the Jews made a huge deal about the law of Moses. Got to follow the law of Moses. Got to follow the law of Moses. And they like to bring that up and throw that in their face when, we want to talk, when they want to talk about the Sabbaths and things today. But no, the law of Moses said to do what this prophet said. That prophet came, Jesus Christ, and people act like Jesus wasn't allowed to change anything, do anything different. No, he was. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. He's the Lord of these things. Moses himself commanded them, you do what he said. And it's the same thing too with my kids. Often I will give my kids instructions. Often I will tell them, I want you to do this, this, and this. But sometimes, you know, even though I'm the head of the family, I'll say, now, if your mom tells you to do something, you do that. There, and, and so the thing is, if I'm not around and then my wife comes along and tells the kids, all right, do this. Oh, well, dad said to do this. Well, dad also said, if I tell you to do something that you need to do it. So understand if they disobey their mom, they're not obeying me. They're disobeying me. 
And the, those ones who refused to follow Jesus Christ and were claiming, no, we're being obedient to Moses, they were liars. They were not obedient to Moses. They were disobeying him because Moses said to listen to Jesus. So, very important we under, that people understand that verse. And it says, and it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Now, who's this going to happen to? Because the thing is, too, people act like, well, you know, yeah, obviously you're Jack Christ, you're going to go to hell. But they act like, unless you're a Jew. You know, God's still got something special for them. No, you reject Christ, you're in trouble. Now, we already talked about last week, this is the day of salvation. Okay, we are in the time of where God pours out His Spirit, and we are going to be in this time era until the sun is darkened and the moon is turned to blood. Okay, we're going to be, and, and this is the time of salvation, and all who do not receive Christ during this time, they're going to be destroyed. They're not going to get another chance during the Daniel 70th week that already happened. Okay, that's not going to happen. They are going to be destroyed, and they're not going to get another chance. They'll get a chance in the tribulation, but again, when the sun's dark and moon turn to blood, after that, they're, they're done for. Israel's done for. Um, they, now is the day of salvation. And this couldn't be any clearer. So I, do, I believe this had a special, specific meaning for that generation, but we can still apply, we can make application today, can't we? I mean, if people don't accept Christ, are they going to be destroyed? Yes, they are. Okay? And so the thing is, how much more should we make that application to the very people, people Peter preached it to. To the very nation Peter preached this to. That, I mean, they're the first people we should put this on. And we put it on everyone but the Jews, if you're a dispensationalist, which is absolutely ridiculous. So, um, verse 24, Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after me, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. The days are in now. Why? They are in the day of salvation. The day of Israel's salvation. All those prophecies about salvation to Israel, all these things that God promised them, they are now in that day. God has poured out His Spirit on, on all flesh. These are the days. This is the new era. This is the time of the new covenant. And many people, what they'll do, they'll take those prophecies that are, and, and they will apply those prophecies to the millennium, but many of these prophecies are about the days we are living in right now. Okay, now obviously we don't have time to go through all the Bible and figure out which prophecies were, you know, from the Old Testament are fulfilled right now and which ones are fil- fulfilled in the millennium. But let me, let me just explain something that I think will help you with this. Because I do. I personally believe that all things concerning the kingdom are about the period that we are in right now spiritually speaking okay but i do believe a time is coming like peter said when these things will be manifested spiritually or physically i'm sorry at that restitution of all things at the time of refreshing and so something we could all fight about is you know what things are about now and what things are about the millennium but again i believe all things concerning the kingdom are about the period we're in now spiritually so uh, and, I, and we're looking forward to that time when it's manifested physically. Like right now, we are the sons of God. Right now. But it does not yet appear what we shall be. One of these days, not, not only will we be the sons of God, we will look like the sons of God. There will be a physical... And some of y'all need that physical manifestation, right? You know, we, we all need that physical manifestation. But, we, but at the same time, too, we have it, don't we? Spiritually. And right now, we are a kingdom. A spiritual kingdom but a physical kingdom is coming and so something very important to get a hold of while there are many things that we dis- that we agree with the dispensational crowd on there are some things we majorly disagree with them on you know many of them would agree with the fact that many of the old things of the old testament are fulfilled spiritually right now they don't really ever talk about those things but, you know, but at the same time, too, they do believe there will be a physical fulfillment in the millennium. Now, here's where a difference is, okay? It's always important we get to where the real difference is between us and other people. They believe that those things that are going to be fulfilled in the millennium are going to be fulfilled with a physical nation that is on earth right now. They believe that God is looking to do something 
with a physical nation that is on this earth right now. One that was established in 1948. I believe that God is going to do these things with a spiritual nation that was on earth during this time. A spiritual nation that started in that first century that, spiritually speaking, you could say, and I might make some people mad at me at this, but spiritually I think something happened then where a rock cut without hands smote the feet of an image and it grew into a mountain that filled the whole earth. And Christ's kingdom is, it's all over the world. There's believers all over the world right now. Spiritually, I do believe there's a physical fulfillment of that coming, but I believe spiritually it has happened. I believe when Jesus Christ returns and that time of refreshing comes and Christ that was preached before is sent, that he is going to fulfill all those things, not with a physical kingdom that's on this earth right now that was established in 1948, but with a spiritual kingdom that's on this earth right now. With us. With the believers. That's who it's going to be fulfilled with. That's where we majorly disagree with the dispensational crowd. And so even today, they're looking at a physical nation and referring to them as God's people. No. Here's God's people. Right here. We're the ones that God's going to use in the kingdom. Oh, but God's got all these things He's got for Israel. No. They lost the kingdom. And, and I'm going to be doing some videos on this pretty soon because I think it's important people understand this. There is... There are zero verses in the Bible that teach that anyone ever lost their salvation or ever could lose their salvation. There's zero. But there are many passages showing how Israel lost the kingdom. Israel lost the kingdom. And the Bible is full of teaching about that. And people have ignored it for so long that people don't even understand what these passages are about. And heretics are taking them and convincing people you could lose your salvation. No, you can't. This is about the people of the Old Covenant losing the kingdom. This is about a physical nation losing what God had for them and it being given to a spiritual kingdom. And folks, that, those in the spiritual kingdom, we're not going to lose it. Okay? We got these things not through our works, not through anything we've done. We got them through Jesus Christ. He's the one that gets credit for it and he's not going to fail. The physical nations will always fail. But Jesus Christ never will fail and it's important that we get this. So we've got to understand that. So now, having understood, understanding this, you know, let's go to Romans chapter 11. Because people misunderstand this passage. So they do. Dispensations believe these things that Peter talked about can be fulfilled with a physical nation instead of a spiritual nation that is awaiting a transformation. We're waiting for that transformation. Okay, now let's look at Romans 11. 20. So in Romans 11, we don't have time to go through the whole chapter. Verse 25 says... For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the Deliverer that shall turn ungodliness away from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. Right there, black and white, future tense, talking about Israel He's going to come and he's going to send a deliverer. He's going to take away their sins. Jesus Christ is going to come back after the Antichrist has broken his dispensationally made up peace deal treaty you know, with the Jews and all the, they're compassed about with armies again. You guys know the story. And Jesus is going to come and he's going to deliver them and they're going to see him and then they're all going to get saved. That's their teaching. I mean, here's proof of it right here. I mean, isn't that future tense? Well, yeah, it's future tense because he's quoting... Jeremiah. He's quoting Old Testament. But let me tell you, folks, this has happened. This is past. And boy, people lose their mind. But folks, act, it's like they've never read Acts 3 before. I remember when I saw this in Acts 3, I was like, did I never read that chapter before? But you know, you got to learn how to take, take those dispensational glasses off. And it'll help you a lot. Now, let's go back to Acts 3, verse 25. Because dispensationalists put the deliverer coming and taking away the sins of Israel in the future. Wrong. Acts 3.25 Ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant, which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. 
unto you first, God having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you. Wait a minute, I thought the Jews were the blessing to everybody else. No, God sent Jesus to bless you. Who's he talking to? Is he talking to Gentiles? Is he talking to Jews? No, God sent Jesus to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. Wait a minute. When did that happen? When did Jesus turn them away from their iniquities? Well, and notice too, because he said he sent Jesus to bless you. And we know what that's from in Genesis 12 too. And I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee, Jesus, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. We know that's about Jesus. Verse 7, And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there built he an altar unto the Lord who appeared to him. And we don't even know Galatians 3. We all got it memorized. The seed was Jesus. Jesus said, I'm going to give the land to your seed, Abraham. Talking about Jesus. There's no doubt about that. But when did this seed come that was prophesied to bless them? Israel. Okay, when did, when did that happen? When did he come and turn them from their iniquities? Well, there's another passage about taking away sins in Daniel chapter 9. In verse 24, it says, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. And now, here's the thing. People will say, well, there's the physical manifestation. Yes, well, spiritually, he's taken away our sins, but there's a physical manifestation. You know, that, that's all going to come later at the end of Daniel's 70th week in the seven year. We got the gap, 2,000 year gap, you know, dispensational, Clarence Larkin, here's my charts. You know, trust me, you're stupid if you don't believe me. Okay, right? You know how all these things go. We've all, we've all heard it before. Okay? But wait a minute. And this is what the dispensation will say, that this, the physical man, manifestation will take place with the physical people. But folks, that's impossible, okay? Because again, in verse 23 of Acts 3, it says, And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Who is this going to happen to? I mean, they act like, no, he's, he's specifically saying this to Israel. If you don't receive him, and he's talking to that generation, you're going to be destroyed. But yet they want to act like, no, when he comes, all of them are going to get saved. Then who are those people going to be when he says, those that would not that I should reign over them, you know, bring them and slay them before me? Who's that going to happen to? Obviously, it's going to happen to them if they do not get saved in the day of salvation, which is right now. Okay? And so, they act like, no, all the Jews are going to get saved you know, during that time. But here, it's saying, no, there's going to be some that are destroyed. All the ones who didn't receive them. And so, look at, back at Romans 11 again, verse 19. Thou wilt say then that the branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief they were broken off, and thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spare not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness. If thou continue in this goodness, otherwise thou shalt be cut off. And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them again. For if thou wert cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, were grafted contrary to nature into the good olive tree, how much more shall these which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree. So we see that those who did not believe, Paul said, they were broken off. Those who did not accept Jesus Christ, those who rejected Him, they were broken off from the covenant. They were broken off from the olive tree. They no longer were a part of Israel. They no longer were a part of the people of God. But who were the people of God? Those who were of faith. Those who believed. And so understand, when Christ came and turned them from their iniquities, He did it at the cross. At the cross is when He paid for the sins of Israel. It was at the cross where He paid for the sins of His people. So wait a minute. So then, is it only those of Israel 
that can get saved? Well, on one hand, you can say yes. Because of the fact that Jesus Christ was of Israel, wasn't he? Jesus Christ was the seed that was prophesied to Abram. Okay? Not a physical you know, lineage of people. No, Jesus Christ is what was prophesied. And the Bible says that in order for us to be saved, we have to be in Christ. So folks, the way you become a part of Israel is by faith in Jesus Christ. We are grafted in by faith. And so understand where we disagree with the dispensationalists, it's on who Israel is. You know, Pastor Matt first has the book called Who is Israel? And he's like, you know, we're never going to settle this end times debate until we figure out who Israel is. And it's true. You know, we're, we're talking in circles when we talk about all these things because they always know it's for Israel. It's like, no. People have got to understand Israel, they already got theirs. They got judgment. They, they were, they, God destroyed them. They lost the kingdom and it has been given to a spiritual nation. And folks, you know, we're still here 2000 years later and there's still people preaching the word of God. People are still getting saved today. And you know what? We can't look at ourselves as Christians and think, wow, we're so much better than the Jews. Cause at the end of the day, we understand that no, we're able to do what we do because of Jesus Christ. You know, our cleansing that we have, it's not something that we did by any works of our own. It's not, we didn't keep something from the law. I mean, we all read the Old Testament. We're just like, I'm glad I don't have to try to do all that stuff. You know, we do. We look at the story of Jesus Christ. We're like, oh, thank God he did it all. I'm going to, I'm just going to trust in him. And when we do, we receive that salvation. We become a part of the people of God. And right now, we are a spiritual kingdom. We are the ones that are the, the ministers of the gospel. We are the ones that God is using. We are his chosen people. We are the ones that are proclaiming his word. And one of these days, that time of refreshing is going to come. And there is going to be the fulfillment of all those things. And he is going to fulfill those things with his people. He is going to fulfill those things with that new kingdom, with that spiritual kingdom that's made up of Jews and Gentiles. It's made up of people all over the world, just like the original kingdom was supposed to be. If they would go back and they would read Jeremiah, if they would read Ezekiel and all the things that God promised them, God said back then, my house should be called a house of prayer for all nations. But then Jesus showed up. The time of his visitation came. Meaning, it's, the, it's a day of reckoning, folks. The Messiah came to check up on Israel on Palm Sunday to see if they were ready to be received as a people. And you know what? He found them sleeping. You know what he found them? He found them beating the servants. Go read all those parables. All those Olivet Discourse parables. Everybody wants to make them about the future and about us. No, all those parables were about Israel. He found them sleeping. They weren't ready. They weren't watching. They were, they were beating the servants. They were abusing the servants. They, they killed the son. They weren't doing any of the things that he called them to do. You know what they did? They buried the talent. That, they, did, they didn't use what God had given them. And so you know what? He cast them into outer darkness. He destroyed them. He lent out his vineyard to other husbandmen. And he, he has given them to us. And you know what? You know, one of these days, he's going to come back. And again... The only reason we've got really nothing to worry about is because of Jesus Christ. That, that's, why, that's why, you know, we are secure. That's why we're excited. And so the physical people who are in unbelief, first off, the nation was destroyed. Okay? The nation was destroyed. What we have today is counterfeit antichrist. And I do not support it in any way, shape, or form. And man, Baptists head spin when i tell them i do not support israel okay and let me just go on record say i do not support israel I, I, not one bit just like i do not support the mark of the beast i don't want them to implement microchips i i, I you know for sure that's mark of the beast i don't know i don't, I don't support anything leading up to it 
I don't support mandatory you-know-whats. I don't support anything that gives them the power that they're looking for. I, I don't support any of that. And you better believe I do not support a counterfeit nation that's full of names of blasphemy because they are none of the things that they claim to be. I do not, I do not support a beast system that is, by the way, trying uh, to force a fifth shot on their people. A fifth. Even, you know why? Because that fully, you know what, group of people, right, that fully vaxxed nation needs a fifth booster and because there's a COVID outbreak. We live in psycho land, ladies and gentlemen. It's insane what is going on in this world, and it is insane the things people are teaching. Dispensations, they have to ignore Acts 3. They, you know, I don't ignore Acts I preach on Acts 3 all the time. Yeah, you preach about the miracle of the crippled guy, of the feel-good story. Yeah, you know, we'll all, we'll all preach about that, but why don't we preach Peter's sermon from Acts 3? Why don't we look at that? Because it might get us looking at Genesis chapter 12, right? Oh, wait, God sent Jesus to bless you? I thought he sent that Jewish banker to bless us. <laughs> uh, or I thought he sent us to be a blessing to them. <laughs> you know, be, be, because of who they are. No, God sent Jesus to bless them. And Jesus is the blessing that, that's in all the world. And then people, and the people talk up to and even bring up these things. Well, yeah, well, the Messiah came from Israel. Yeah, and they killed him. Let's, let's keep that in mind too. And they killed him. And they got judged because of it. The, you know, Acts 3 makes Romans 11 crystal clear. I mean, it makes it crystal clear. And it destroys their narrative about the restoration of a physical people who are in unbelief. And so now is the day of salvation for Israel. And it is the day of salvation for the whole world. And there's, no, there's absolutely no doubt about it. So hopefully that gives you a better understanding of Acts chapter 3. And so with that, let's pray. Dear Lord... I, think, I pray this message was a help and a blessing to everyone. I pray, dear Lord, that you'll help uh, us to uh, just rightly divide the Scriptures, Lord, in the biblical uh, meaning of that and help us to understand the spiritual versus the physical and uh, uh, put these things in their proper place and to give you uh, the honor and glory that you deserve for these things and help us to not steal your glory and give it to a physical people just so we can feel good about ourselves and uh, make people not accuse us of being anti-Semitic and things like that. I pray it'll help us just be honest with the Scriptures. In your name we pray. Amen.